Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. so good to see all of you and one of my favorite times is when that bumper is rolling and I get to look out at all of you and it makes my heart happy it makes me just just happy and you getting your Bibles ready and I'm just I'm glad you're here it's not a small thing for the church to assemble so I'm grateful for each and every one of you if you're joining us online on the app or a podcast I want to thank you as well for being here with us and at this time As always, I just want to invite everyone here or online to get out your Bible or open up a Bible app and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament. And go to chapter 2. We're going to pick up in in verse 1 today. And what we're doing is just today we're going to be concluding this Christmas series that we started, I guess, three weeks ago called Peace on Earth. And what we've been doing is we've just been walking through the Christmas story and been examining it from the perspective of the individuals within the story and seeing how each one of them found peace in that very chaotic first Christmas. Week number one, we looked at Mary. Week number two, we looked at Joseph. Last week, we looked at it from the perspective of the shepherds. And today, um, we're going to conclude by looking at Christmas from the perspective of the Magi or or, or the wise men. That's what we're looking at. The Christmas story from the perspective of the wise men. Now, um, real quick, before we get to these guys, I just want to talk about something. I want to talk about them specifically. I think that most of us, if not many of us, probably think incorrectly about the wise men. I just think we do. Because here's the truth about the wise men. We don't know a lot about them in the Bible. Like The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about them. And what it does say about them, it's kind of vague. There's not a lot of details. So let me just tell you how it kind of worked itself out for me. I remember when um, the Lord saved me and I start going to church and I start reading the Bible. There were many things that as I read the Bible, I didn't quite realize. I I didn't understand. So there were things before I got saved that I thought was contained in the Bible. And so I start reading the Bible. I'm like, wait a minute, man. The Bible forgot to include some things. That's what I thought, right? But the reality is that I hadn't read the Bible and I didn't know exactly what the Bible contained. And so it was kind of a, kind of some tension there. I didn't understand it. One of those things is the wise men. Because there's, there's some things that I thought would be in the Bible about the wise men that just simply aren't there. Now, I know this about the wise men. When you look at any nativity scene, they take up a lot of valuable real estate. In, in the nativity scene, right? You look, you, you look at any proper nativity scene, and you're going to have Mary. You're going to have Joseph. 
You're going to have shepherds, of course. You're going to have baby, baby Jesus. You're going to have some animals. You're going to have the stars. And in addition to that, every nativity scene, most every nativity scene that I ever saw, you also had, not, not in, the, in, the, in the center, but kind of on the, the outskirts, you had these, 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 these three guys, and they had these gifts, and those guys are supposed to be the wise men. All right? That's, before I got saved, before I knew anything, I'm like, those are the wise men. All right? And you start reading the text, and you're like, well, that's just odd because that's not what actually goes down according to the text. Like, like, like the wise men, you read the text. Now, I always say that, guys. you got to read the text. You read the text, and, and the wise men are not there at the birth of Jesus. It's not even vague. It's clear. It's literal. They're not there, right? In addition to that, you read the text. We don't even know how many Wise men were actually there. I mean, it's, a, it's not given. So, does it match it? I read the Bible. I read the Bible. I'm like, but man, I have these nativity scenes kind of in my head. So, what I want to do, I want us to kind of, to the best of our ability, using the information that's contained in the Bible, kind of try to detangle some of these things that we may think are true about the wise men that aren't actually in the Bible. So, let's examine Let's examine this very first Christmas from the perspective of the wise men, all right? So I would say this, nativity scene, kind of push it to the side, or, or well, at least the modern nativity scene. You know, the, the, the nativity scenes may be in your neighborhood. You kind of just push those aside. Let's look at the text. What does the Bible say, and what can we learn about this from the Bible? First thing we're going to see is the, the Magi, that's wise men, arrive. All right? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. I'm just going to read it. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, here's our guys, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I want to talk about this. There's a lot going on. But I want us to notice, it's just so weird, man, to me. Notice the word after. I mean, it's clearly there, right? After. After is a specific word. I mean, it's not vague. It's telling us it's a time-related word. After. After what? Jesus was born. Now, you, you, can go, man, this is, you do not have to be a Bible scholar to figure this out. Go open, I tell you what, go to your, open your phone, man, and type define after. What does after mean? After means a period following or later than an event, all right? What's the event? Once again, it's in the text. The event is Jesus. So we're plainly told here that the wise men arrive at a time following or later than the birth of Jesus, I don't, you, 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 I don't know, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Just read the text. They're not in the nativity, not, 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 not a chance, right? Now, we don't know how long after they arrived from the birth. Once again, it's not, it's, it's not clear. But there are some indicators in the text that would let us know. Let me just give you a few indicators, all right? First, Verse 11, we're not there yet, we'll get to verse 11. But in verse 11, we're told that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus 
are living in a house at the time the wise men arrive. Now, we know from the Bible that Jesus wasn't born in a house, all right? Also, verse 11, staying in the text, the wise men call Jesus a child. The Greek word is padion. That is not the word used for an infant. That is a word used for a toddler or a child, right? He's not a baby baby. He's a little bit bigger. Furthermore, Luke chapter 2, verse 24 tells us, Mary and Joseph went to the temple for a ceremonial purification that happens after the birth of a baby. All right? Now, we're told that they gave turtle doves and a two young pigeons. Now, no, I forgot to say this. The purification always occurs two to three months after the birth all right, of the baby. All right? Two to three months later, they go to the temple to give their offering. The Bible tells us they gave two young pigeons instead of a lamb. The reason why is because they were poor and without resources. Now, we know from the text, we'll see this in a moment. Most of you probably already know this. When the wise men do arrive, they give some pretty substantial gifts to Mary and Joseph. So it appears that the, that the wise men arrived after the purification. So that's at least three months later because at the purification, they did not have any resources. All right. So there we go. As we know. This is much as later. In addition, the Bible doesn't tell us how many people came. We don't know how many wise men there are. I don't know how they got three. Maybe they're thinking the gifts, three gifts, three wise men. Here's what we know from the text. The word magi is plural. It's a plural word. Magos, one. Magi, two or more. That's all we know. There could have been 50. There could have been 10. There could have been 15. We don't know. All right? So that's the general. We don't, I don't know. They're getting a nativity scene. Nativity scene. I don't know. I don't know. The person making the nativity scene, I don't know. Maybe didn't read the text because the text don't have that going on. But let's move on. All right? That's a kind of a setup. All right? In these two verses, we are told three things for the very first time in the Bible. Three things. All right? We're told about King Herod, wise men, and a star. So let's look at, let's look at the text. Three new things. All right? First, Herod the king. You can follow along in your outline. Here's the first thing. This is the first time we hear about Herod the king. Who is Herod the king? Um, Herod the king, once again, you don't need the Bible to know this. Any history book will tell you this. But the dude, he's a bad man. He's a really bad man. Here are a few historical facts about Herod the Great. One, he was jealous. He was insecure about his position as the king. He had the chief priest killed, actually drowned, then he provides an elaborate funeral for the dead priest where he pretends to cry, but he's the one who killed him, all right? After that, he had his own wife killed. He had two of his sons killed. Before he died, the guy had his third son killed. He's a bad, bad guy. Check this out. He knew he was going to die later in life. He also knew that he had been a bad person and nobody in Jerusalem or Israel was going to mourn his death. So here's what the guy did. Before he died, five days before he died, he, he gathered the distinguished citizens of Jerusalem. And here's what he said. When I die, I want you to execute them. Kill all those people because I want the day of my death for people to be weeping across all of Jerusalem. That's this guy. He's bad. He's bad. 
the Bible tells us that he kills every male in, in Bethlehem in order to try to kill Jesus. Genocide. The guy is bad. King Herod. Bad guy. Bad guy. Next thing we see, once again, is magi from the east. First time, first time we really hear about these guys, all right? Once again, we don't know their number. We don't know their names. We don't know their means of transportation, but most likely it was not camels, right? We don't know what country. We don't know where they came. All we told, we told the, the east. Now, these guys are from the east. I don't know, man. There's a lot of stuff to the east, okay? Um, let me give you a suggestion by the Bible who these men might be. Don't want to get bogged down in this, but you can go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 48. Let me read this to you. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. That is east and chief prefect over all, check it out, the wise men of Babylon, all right? Now, we know this. The prophet Daniel was the wisest man from the east, and he trained other wise men. And I believe, and many others also believe, that these wise men were descendants from the school of Daniel, and they came to worship Jesus. And I believe these men, says they're wise, it means they would also be wise enough to have the Bible with them. And they would be wise enough to take the Bible seriously. And I would wager, I would believe that they read the Bible, they knew the Bible, and they understood the Bible, and they took the Bible seriously, and they said, the Messiah is going to be born at this time. Let's go worship him. That's these guys. And by the way, by the way, I would say this. The Bible is very clear on this. No one can be wise until they begin to fear the Lord, period. You don't fear, let me tell you something, biblically, if you don't fear the Lord, you're not wise. I can, once again, you, you, you can hear secular people, you can hear people who do not love the Lord sit there and say, hey, man, that guy's wise. Eh, not wise. You cannot be wise unless you fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of wisdom. You, you, know, you, know, you, know, you don't know the Lord. You don't fear the Lord. You're not wise. You're not wise. All right, that's these guys. Third thing we see here for the very first time, the star above. Yeah, Christmas time, Christmas time. We got, star, we got stars everywhere, man. Top of trees, top of the nativity. People put... People be putting stars on top of their house. I don't know how it goes on down at your house when you put up a tree. Everybody, everybody wants to be the person putting the star on top of the tree, right? But the truth is, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about the star. And people ask, what, what, what do you think the star is? I, I don't know. Some people say a planet. Some people say a meteor. Some say a comet. The Bible does not give us a clear understanding, so we cannot be that strict. But I believe, I'm just, I'm just going to share this with you. You're, you can disagree with me. That's okay. But I believe that the star very well could just have been the glory of God. God incarnate. That's Shekinah glory. How is it? you got the wise men, they see it. But other people don't see it. The shepherds, they're surrounded by it. But once again, others do not see it. I believe it very well could have just been the glory of God. But once again, I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I want us to see. You have the wise men coming a 
very great distance for the purpose. It says in the text, one reason they came to worship Jesus. Boom. That's it. Make no, make no, no, make no bones about it. Hey, wise guys. Why you be traveling all this distance? Why are you doing all of this? Why this great effort? We came to worship the living God. Well, man, that's fantastic. All this time, all this travel to worship Jesus. Here's the deal I want us to see. You cannot worship Jesus without a sacrifice of your time. Can't be done. Church, you cannot worship Jesus by wishing to worship him. You cannot worship Jesus by simply just planning to worship Jesus. You cannot worship Jesus thinking and knowing you ought to worship Jesus. The only way you're going to worship Jesus is you've got to make time to worship Jesus, and you've got to worship Jesus. That's these guys. That's these men. Wise people still make time to worship Jesus. And these guys, they don't care about the cost, whatever is necessary. They're going to inconvenience themselves. They're going to travel through all sorts of territories and do all sorts of things simply to worship Jesus. You, you want to you find peace in a time of chaos? Make time. Make time to worship Jesus. All right. The Magi wise men arrive. First two verses. A lot going on there. They get there, and now we're going to see the Magi agitated. All right? This is interesting. It's all interesting. This is really interesting. Look, so the wise men, they make this long journey. They arrive in town, and they go around, and they ask really the strangest question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Hey, we're the king, man. Evidently, they assumed everybody would know. Like the king is born, right? Where is he? Nobody knows. That's weird. How come, how come none of you locals not know the king is born? It's a big deal. At any rate, look at verse 3 and see how King Herod responded to these awkward men. I don't know how many coming around looking for a king. Verse 3. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was, ah, great word. We're going to talk about it in a minute. He was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. All? Once again, all Jerusalem, they troubled. Verse 4, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he, that's the king, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. Now, these guys know, right? They know, they know. They've been reading the Bible. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of, of, of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, he summoned the wise men secretly. He's a, little, he's a, he's a weasel, man. He's going to come and kill a wise men. And ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. King Harry don't want to worship him. King Harry wanted to kill him. All right? So there's a lot of interesting things going on here, right? 
But go back to that first word that I said was interesting, that word troubled. It's weird, man. King Herod is told the greatest news ever told. Like, no, this is the greatest news anyone has ever heard. The Christ has been born. And he responded by being troubled. That's a specific word in the Greek. It means he was agitated. He was disturbed. He was stirred up. In other words, he heard the greatest news ever told that should be bring great joy. It should bring great joy. It did not bring him great joy. What did it do? It agitated him. It disturbed him. It's interesting. Interesting. Why is that? Why is that? Why, why, why is it the King Herod, he's going to be told the greatest news is going to trouble him? Why is that? Well, I would suggest that this is not too uncommon. In this text, I think we see two types of of people here who do not want to worship Jesus. And you're always going to see this. You're going to see these two types, they're, they're still around today. Let me, let's just go through this quickly. First, you're going to see those who are indifferent. I mean, this is indifferent. They feel indifferent. That group is represented by the chief priest and the scribes. I mean, look, look at the text. It's weird to me. King Herod, King Herod goes up to them. He said, hey, scribes, Hey, 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 priest, where is the Messiah going to be born? They go get their Bibles, boom, get out their Bibles. That's a scroll. They unroll the scroll. Everybody knows it's Bethlehem, right? And he goes, thank you, because these guys say he's been born. They go, that's interesting. Then they roll back up the scroll, they put the scroll back, and they go back to their religiosity. They could... They knew. They, they knew the word of God. They studied the word of God. They knew where he's supposed to be born. They knew everything. But they missed it. They missed it. They missed it. Could that be me? Could I miss it? Maybe you, sure. And we know, I know the Bible, man. I read it. I've been, I've been, man, I'm, when it comes to the Bible, I'm an educated fool, man. I spent a lot of time, don't matter. Don't matter, man. Oh, man, there's guys, you study the Bible your whole life, still miss it. That's these guys. They're indifferent. They just don't care. I know it. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what God desires of me. I know all these things. Guess what? I don't care. I don't care. Because you know what I want to do? I'm going to go, I'm gonna go, back, to the, I'm gonna go back to the synagogue on Saturday. I just want to keep doing the same thing I've been doing because it's comfortable. I'm indifferent. Don't care. That's these guys. They indifferent. They don't care. Once again, would you would you not think, do you not think, do you not know that we got some indifferent people here today and just in, 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 in general? It's indifferent. They, I mean they know about Jesus. They just they don't they just don't care. They they don't care. Then you get those who are hostile. It's the second kind of people. That's that's Herod, man. That's Herod. He host- He's not indifferent. He's hostile. Why is he hostile? Because of this. He knows that if there is a King Jesus, then he not king. If there is a God, it means there's right and there's wrong. Have you thought about that? Amen. There's, a God, there's right and wrong. And guess what? You and I don't get to decide what's right and wrong. I, I try 
There's a, I don't know, I, I listen to country music, man, and there's a Willie Nelson song that says, I got a million reasons and excuses for all the things that I've done. And I'll tell you right now, in and of myself, I can justify any sin I ever done. I can. Got a long list of reasons for all the things I've done. Don't matter. Don't matter. Bring that list, tear it up. Don't matter. I don't get to decide what's right and wrong. God does. God told us. King Herod makes him mad. Man, mad. Mad. You mean I'm not God? What do you mean I can't do what I want to do? What do you mean there's right and wrong? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm hostile. I'm agitated. You know what I'm going to do? He's so lame. He goes, he goes you know what I'm in his head, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill that baby. I'm going to kill that baby. Good luck, man. By the way, let me tell you something. There's a lot of us, me at times perhaps, I try to kill that baby too, right? I mean, not physically. You got people going around hostile and they're just going to ignore him as though he doesn't exist. If I can just push him away, then if I can just push him down, right? That's what you get. Indifference, hostility. Right. Bet you didn't know I listened to Willie Nelson. I don't know, is that? Anyway, let's keep going. 2,000 years ago, you had the indifferent and the hostile. We got them today. Keep moving on. Chapter 2, verse 9. We're going to see the Magi adore. After listening to the king, that's King Herod, they went on their way. And behold, check it out, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child, not a baby, the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, now, guys, I want you to see, this is magnificent what is said here. It's just amazing, just the emphasis. Check it out. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's that's a, that's, a, that's a special star, man. That's a special kind of thing. That's a, that's a quadruple way of saying they rejoiced. The Bible doesn't mince words. It, it says what it means, and I don't know, means what it says. I'm sure you heard that before. But the Bible just said four kinds of ways these, these wise men are happy. It would have been enough to say they rejoiced. They rejoice. I get it. They're happy. It would have been even more, I guess, to say they rejoice with joy. It would have been astounding if the Bible would have said they rejoiced with great joy. joy. But that's not what it says. The Bible says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Why? 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 It's in the text. It's in the text because they were going to worship Jesus. How, how in the world can you rejoice exceedingly with great joy? Why? What, what, what would cause that? Going to worship Jesus, right? Going to worship Jesus. Made me think. Made me think. Do I rejoice exceedingly with great joy on my way to church? Not always. Not always. 
But wise people do, right? Wise people do. Wise people rejoice exceedingly with great joy on their way to worship Jesus. Got nothing to do with this building of sticks. It's got everything to do with the assembly of the saints. Verse 11. And going into the house, we see it's a house. They saw the child. Can you imagine? I don't know, at Christmas time, many of you, if not all of you, you travel a great distance to see your family, maybe six hours, eight hours on the road, you get out and see your family, haven't seen them for six months, and it's, it's great. But these guys have traveled such a distance, and they lay their eyes on the child with Mary, his mother. It's in the text, guys, it's in the text. What do they do? And they hit the ground, fall down. They do one thing. Worship him. That's all they do. Then, if that was not enough, they open their gifts. No, no. It's not gifts. The word is treasures. Something of great value. They offered him gifts. Gold. Frankincense. Myrrh. Now, once again, we could do a whole sermon on gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And what that means as well. But what I want us to see is really just two things here. I want to pull this out. What do they do? They see Jesus. First thing they do, we just talked about it. They worship him. They worship him They saw the child, they fell down and worshiped him. Church, that is the end goal of all creation, to worship Jesus. My friend, brother, sisters in Christ, all of us, Do you not know the purpose of your life? Do you know why you were created? Do you know why you're drawing breath right now? One main reason, to worship Jesus and enjoy him forever. That's it. When you worship him, you're doing the very thing you were designed to do. They see him. It's like they open that door, I don't know, and immediately they fall down and they say, Jesus is worth my total worship. Jesus is worth my total total time. Jesus is worth all my effort. Jesus is worth all my resources, all that I possess. He is worth, worth, he's worth it. And they worship him. Now, I was thinking this. If they worshiped Jesus as a baby, ought we not worship him now that he's all grown up? Next, they offered gifts. We're told gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What are we to make of this? We could talk about this for a while. I've already mentioned it briefly. What are we to make of this Did Jesus need it? No. Jesus not needful. Acts makes it very clear that God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. God is not in need. God is not in need of your gifts. 
that we get to give him anything is a blessing. If he needed anything, he would not be God. A God in need is not a God at all. So these gifts are not because he's needful. Okay. Well, then why offer him the gifts? In the text, I believe, it says it, but other places we would see it as well, other texts. They're acts of worship. They're acts of worship. Gifts are what I call intensifiers. They are intensifiers of the desire for Christ himself. By giving Christ things that he does not need, that I might could use for myself, is a way of saying, is a way of intensifying my worship. God, I give you these things, symbolizing many things you're worth, also symbolizing that I need you, I love you, I exalt you more than the things that I possess. I want you. Don't want these things, I want you. Two quick things in addition I'd say about these gifts. One, they were significant. Two, they were planned. Once again, maybe one day we'll speak longer on this. But it's been on my heart. These are significant gifts. They're significant. There's not reaching in your pocket and pulling out a penny. You know what I mean? They were significant gifts. And then I love that plan. They were planned. Like that star didn't appear after they met with Herod and like, oh, no. We got to go find a gift. No. They planned beforehand when they were out back east, wherever that was, we're going to go worship the King Jesus and we're going to bring him a gift and I'm going to plan. It's going to be significant and it's going to be planned. Once again, it laid on my heart, are my gifts both significant and planned? Not as much as they should be. That's a confession. Working on it. Then they worshiped, Verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. That's the Magi. They're a mysterious group of people. More than two, I don't know. We learn a lot from them. We learn a lot from them. We learn a lot from them. Here's specifically what I've learned from them. And it will help us find peace, I believe. Worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. Put in the time, put in the distance. Worship Jesus. I think this, I think this, I know this. If we make that, if we make that a priority, I'm going to worship my King. I believe this Christmas season and every day you will find peace. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. 
In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history, and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.